to episode seven of the One Life Podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy, and our mission at One Life is to inspire you to take risks, dream big, and live your life on purpose. We want to take a quick second and tell you about our sponsor today, TouchTap. Are you a startup visionary? I know I am, and (laughs) I've always got big ideas, but maybe you have the next big app idea, or your business is looking to engage more of your customers, or you're a large corporation keeping up with market demand. Well, congratulations. You're welcome. Today, we want to tell you about our friends at TouchTap. TouchTap is a mobile app development agency and they bring your ideas to life. TouchTap, man, they believe in building mobile experiences that keep customers coming back for more. From idea to inception, TouchTap is your mobile app agency. Check them out at touchtap.io. Well, today I can't think of a better way to start 2018 off than with our guest, all the way from New York City, it's it's Kevin Kevin Singleton! (laughs) Can you believe we got Kevin? What a blessing. Oh Oh, my gosh. Kevin is a man of many talents. Mm -hmm. He has done so much. He's played professional basketball across the globe, spoken to hundreds of thousands all over the world. He's an incredible worship leader himself, not to mention he's mentored and served with so many great worship leaders that we've all heard and listened to on the radio. Man, he is a stud. Yeah. Today, he is changing the lives of students across New York City through a program called Elevate New York. Yeah, I'm so in love with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I I cannot wait for our friends to hear about it. Oh, it's so good. Well, some of the greatest lessons we've learned that have helped us steer and guide us through our lives have come from this man right here. We were so blessed by our time with Kevin, and we know that you will be too. So without further ado, here's our conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Singleton. Well, first, I mean, you know, I'm excited to get into it. My beautiful wife's here. Good morning, Mr. Singleton. Good morning, Mrs. Gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so great to hear your voice. Thanks for coming on. It's great to hear your voice as well been a while. I know. It has been. It really has. I can't believe we're old enough to say it's been like, what, 10 years? Has it been 10 years? It's been longer than that. Has it? Yeah. We got married 13 years ago. We knew him before. He knew us before. He knew us before. That's right. I'm kind of the reason why. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, you can keep that kind of in there. That's right. That's right. Own it, man. Own it. Now there's five kids. Way to go, man. Look what you did. Look what you started. I got to meet them godchildren. I know know it. Someday. That'd be great. We'd love that. That was our retirement plan. I figured if we had five of them, (laughs) one of them was going to hit it big, man. (laughs) Some kind of Take care of them. Take care of their mom, you know. <laughs> make sure their make sure their mom's taken care of. Odds are good. Absolutely, you know. Jenny and I, again, as we ran through the list of folks that we could have, you know, we were like, absolutely, Kevin's got to be yes. in the mix here, and <laughs> kind of started processing. How long have we known you? What you've kind of been there since the beginning. Yes, he has. Yeah, it was kind of there at the beginning. I think we were doing a uh, we were doing a worship internship in yep. New York City. Yep. I think two thousand three, maybe two thousand four. Oh man, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> and then Chris, you were—you uh, had come in to try to, to ask me some questions about motivational speaking, yeah. and then you saw Jenny, and then you quoted the scripture. <laughs> you, you quoted the scripture: "The Lord is my shepherd; I see what I want." That's right. <laughs> Indeed, I did. 
That's awesome. That is so awesome. You know, a few people in our life either knew us individually on our own. Because, yeah. you know, I grew up in Indiana. She grew up in Texas. But right. a few people got to meet us before and then has yes. kind of watched the whole story unfold. So, yeah. man, you've been a huge part of that story. So just thank you so much for pouring into us and being a great example. So I want to just take a second and give our listeners a little bit of your background, your story. You are a man, a man of many talents. You, <laughs> you're a journeyman. You have done so many amazing things in your life. Sure. And I'd love if you just kind of share a little bit of your story, a little bit of your faith journey, and kind of where you're at today. Yeah. Well, grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana, a little small Methodist church, and only went to church because my mom said that's that was the only way I could get to eat my grandmother's lunch on Sunday. <laughs> so it was cultural Christianity and then went away to college, played college basketball, went to several schools um, chasing my dream. And uh, my coach was a strong believer and got me involved with Fellowship Christian Athletes. So in my second junior year, I said I did my junior year twice because I loved year. it so much. <laughs> um, and so second junior year, I went to an FCA camp and I saw some athletes who had a real relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, I've gone to church almost every Sunday of my life, but I've never understood that. So gave my heart to Jesus, then became a disciple and then began to realize why I was gifted the way I was. So my college coach used to do this ball handling routine, and I turned his routine into a motivational speaking talk that I called Music Moves and Motivation. And I did that in schools for about a year after I graduated, then I ended up playing one year professional basketball on the island of Cyprus, then came back and ended up speaking to about 3 million kids in 20 countries around the world. I literally used to travel 220 to 250 days a year. When I met my wife, we just, we traveled the world. We've been to 25 countries together. And so somewhere in the early nineties, the church where I was involved in, where I think I met, did I meet you there, Jenny? Yes. Yeah. And so that church began to plant churches and I started getting involved into worship leading more heavily And so I always walk this dual path, one foot in the public schools doing these school assemblies and then worship leading. And so when they started planning churches, I started developing this ability to lead worship teams. 96, I met a guy named Israel Houghton, who's now got six Grammy Awards. And we had worked together on some worship things together. And I kind of developed this skill to assess where churches were in their worship department. I began to do that a lot. When 9-11 hit at Church Bethel World Outreach Center, we planted a church in New York. And so, so in 2001, I was leading a worship department in New York and in Nashville. And I would literally, on Saturday, I would lead worship in Nashville one, one time, three times on Sunday morning, take a group of musicians from Nashville, fly into Long Island, Then take a a limo into the city, plug in and play the same set list we had been playing all weekend in Nashville. So I did that in 2002. (laughs) My wife and I moved here to New York. I like to say say she was talking to God behind my back. So she starts praying to move to New York. We moved to New York and I do a reverse commute for the rest of a year. And so I would leave New York on Friday, flying to Nashville. Saturday night, three Sunday morning, drive and get on a plane with musicians, (laughs) land in Long Island and then do... Sunday night in New York. (laughs) And that's when I began to understand the Sabbath because I could do nothing on Monday. So I just rested. And that that takes us to about 2007. And so I had been in ministry then, except for the one year playing basketball. I'd been in ministry now for 20 years. And so 
my wife was going, you're tired and grumpy. I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about, woman? And so she's like, that, that right there. That's what I'm talking about. Right there. So we, took a, so we took a 10-month sabbatical. And during that sabbatical, I had lost touch with Israel. He was, at this point, leading worship for Joel Osteen in Houston. So I decided to go down there, reconnect with him, and just take some time off. During that time, my dad passed away. He left us an unexpected inheritance. We came back to New York. My wife finished school at Columbia. And it was during that time when I discovered Elevate New York. And I don't know if you want me to talk about Elevate now or... Yeah, we'll get into Elevate here in a little bit. It's exciting stuff and how you're pouring in. But man, what a what a crazy story. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's incredible. I really want to communicate to our listeners just the level of worship leader that you are. I mean, you are one of our very favorite worship leaders across the globe for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just remember going into that internship with you that you mentioned in New York. I knew I would probably learn something about music, something about worship leading, something about songwriting, which of course I learned all of those things. But what I didn't know was all that you would teach me about life and faith that I literally would take into the future and it would guide me so well into my future. So I want you to pour a little bit of that wisdom out for our friends today. And uh, one of the things that, that you taught me that week is a little phrase that has become, I'm laughing and Chris is smiling oh right now because gosh. there's probably not a week that goes by that I don't say this phrase that you taught me. And it's so powerful and it literally changed my life. And it goes a little something like this. I do not receive that. <laughs> I love it so much. And would you talk about that a little bit and kind of explain the power behind that? <laughs> well, I was like the whole time you said, I'm like, what is she going to say? What did I say? Yeah. What, what, what did, did I, I say? Was it biblical? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you grow, you, sometimes you go, man, I don't know if I believe that anymore, <laughs> you know? Right, so, right, yeah. uh, You know, I do not receive that. I don't know who first said it to me because, you know, Solomon says that there's nothing new under the sun. And so I heard someone say that and I just grabbed onto it kind of like you did when you heard me say it. Someone deserves the credit. I don't know who they are, but, 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 <laughs> but biblically, it's like I should not believe anything about myself unless it aligns with the word of God. Absolutely. And the sad thing about us as believers is because we're all in process, nobody's perfect, we often say things to other people that are not in alignment with scripture. And mm -hmm. a lot of times we we just receive it when they say it and then it goes into our spirit. And then sometimes we start living that way and we're going, "Well, why is that? Well, maybe you maybe you aligned with it. Maybe you agreed with it." You know, it's like a lot of people yeah. say will say I'm a sinner saved by grace. If you read and I've I've done this study, if you just read, it's an interesting study. If you just read the beginning of Paul's letters and the ends mm -hmm. of his letters, Look at the way he addresses and then says goodbye to these churches. It's very fascinating. He never mm -hmm. says to the sinners at Ephesus, to the sinners <laughs> at Corinth. Mm -hmm. He always says to the so saints, right? And so it's just little things like that. Like if someone says, well, Kevin, we're all sinners. I'm going, I don't receive that. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm a saint. I was changed. I was. And if you look at the language, like in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, and some of you were this and some of you were that. Because at the point of regeneration, when I become a new creation, a new creature in Christ, something's new 
is something that has never been before. And so don't call me what I used to be. I was a sinner. That was my DNA. That was my default up until the end of my second junior year in college. (laughs) But at that point, (laughs) I became a new creature. I became a new Kevin Singleton that had never existed before. So I would never receive that sinner saved by grace. So that's just one of many things, you know, and uh, I began to get the revelation of that. And, you know, my mom used to sing to me a song every morning until I was in the ninth grade when I finally got an alarm clock. And I was like, I can't can't (laughs) sing this song anymore. And she would come in and she would she would sing the song. It went, uh, "I love Kevin Thorpe Singleton. I love Kevin Thorpe Singleton. I love Kevin Thorpe Singleton. He's the sweetest little boy I know." Second verse: "I love Kevin Thorpe Singleton. I love him. He's the smartest little boy I know. I love Kevin. He's the cutest little." And she she would just keep saying oh, all of these things awesome. about my nature and character. And so I began to believe I was the cutest, smartest, you know, greatest person yeah. on the planet. Because I received that into my spirit, a lot of it before I even woke up. Oh, and so, the, so, so my mom, she began to set this pattern in my heart before I really had a revelation of it biblically, is that what you receive, you will become. Absolutely. That's the power behind it. I'm so glad you said exactly that what you receive is what you'll become. And what changed in me so much when you taught me that, I remember going away from that time with you and it was incredible how many opportunities I had to say, (laughs) no, I don't receive that. (laughs) When Chris and I got engaged and people out of a good heart would come up and say, oh, you just got engaged. Well, let me just give you my advice. Let me, you just look out because that first year, woo, it's going to be rough and you're going to fight. And I remember thinking in my head, I do not receive that. Nope. And sometimes saying out loud, uh, I don't receive that. <laughs> I'm not going to receve that, you know? So She's she's used it quite liberally around the house. <laughs> like, hey, babe, you, you do the laundry? I don't receive that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, oh, yeah. yeah it no. works in all, it's all kinds, kinds of ways. all kinds of fashion. So much power I'm behind so it. I'm so sorry about that, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, you want, you want to change that diaper? I don't receive I don't that. that. No, no, it's so good. And and you know the opposite is true as well that you taught me. Like when somebody says something over you that's that's affirming, don't shrug it off. That's not humility. You can say, "Hey, thanks. I receive that. I receive that over my life." So that's right. And that's the power of agreement, right there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Two of you agree on something on earth, it'll be done for you in heaven. So that's, that's, right. that's a very powerful point there. That's that's so good. Now, okay, so one of the other things that I have never forgotten that you taught me about worship leading, but it really applies to any kind of leadership role was you said, if you get done leading worship and all anyone can say is how amazing you sounded or how great that run was that you did, then you didn't do your job because the goal is to lead someone into God's presence where they encounter him and they forget about you completely. And that just rocked my world. I think it's such great advice. Can you talk more about that and how it applies to any spiritual leadership role? Sure. The greatest leader, Jesus, and being a servant leader, he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to serve, not to be served. And so the reason why I practice so hard is so none of that is a distraction while I'm worshiping, so it can become second nature. It's what Angela Duckworth in her book, Grit Calls Flow. You move from, she calls it deliberate practice, which we don't like. It's doing your scales and stuff. And then flow when you're doing it. And it seems difficult, but you seem like you're doing it and it's second nature. It's like breathing. So the reason why I work so hard and why we have long practices is so that when we get up to lead the people, now we're 
taking all of that practice and literally submitting it to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the moment, in that service, in that worship set. And Mm -hmm. if you can do that, then it's not about the run. If I do a run or, or something happens musically, it's a great musical moment. It's because that's what the Spirit is doing. And it's like, you know, in in Revelation, I believe it's 21, the spirit and the bride say, come. I say the same thing that the Holy Spirit says at the same time. That's a powerful way to live. And when I'm living that way, the hope is, is that he would increase and I would decrease. And that is my job. My job is to get out of the way, simply to lead them so that they can ultimately see who Jesus is. I mean, if it's about pointing people to me, then they need to go to a concert, you know, with a band that's better than me. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the, the whole point of this worship experience, or, or what I more specifically would call musical worship, because actually all of life can be an act of worship, and that would lead to what you're saying about other leadership endeavors. All of life can be an act of worship. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. So right. when I'm up there on that stage, or if I'm leading the kids that I'm getting ready to go teach here in, in an hour and a half in the South Bronx, the whole thing <laughs> is for me to point them to greatness or to point them to their hope and their future or in music to point people to Jesus so that it's no longer Kevin, but is that Kevin was simply a conduit for me to be who he's called me to be or to worship him the way he deserves to be worshiped. Man, that's so good. I love that. What's been cool is that those two principles have been just really cornerstones for our family and our future. So you don't realize that something you may say on a internship years ago (laughs) becomes the foundation of someone's future. So that means a lot to us. And so that kind of leads me into this next question. You really have been an incredible leader in our lives, you know, and the theme of your life has kind of been this, this posture of mentorship. You've poured into so many people and it's clearly something that you were born to do. And, you know, you've had the opportunity to work with so many uh, amazing young worship leaders and just leaders in general. I'm just curious, what are some of the themes that you've noticed in some of the people that you've encountered over your 30 plus years of leadership and mentorship that you have seen produce great results and success on the other side? There's several things. One of them is leaders always look behind them and ask, why are people following them? Because you can lead out of intimidation. You can lead out of manipulation. You can, mm-hmm. you can lead out of even inspiration, right? If I've got to inspire someone every time, then <laughs> that's going to get really tiring. But if, yeah. but if I serve them, if I serve them, now mm. we're tapping into a biblical leadership methodology, yeah. right? Another part is encouragement, right? The Latin for the word courage is the same word for heart. So a part of great leadership and mentoring is the ability to transfer your heart to another person. And yeah. so to encourage means to put your heart into a situation, put your heart into another person, right? That's good. Another thing about leaders is that they have a very high adversity quotient. You know, a lot of people know about IQ and EQ, you know, intellectual quotient, uh, emotional quotient, but everybody's got an adversity quotient. How much adversity can you handle? And the people who have higher adversity quotients, they outperform people, they outsell people, they outlast people, they break people into quitters, campers, and climbers. You know, a, a high adversity quotient, they would never camp, they would never plateau in, in their life. You know, they would never quit. They're always climbing, they're always reading, they're always learning. So, you know, great leaders always invite adversity. David said, if I had not been afflicted, I'd never known your word. 
I mean, think about that. We all pray to get out of difficult situations. And David was going, (laughs) the affliction is what made me know you better. You know, a mature prayer is, Lord, bring it on. But then you don't know if you really want to pray that, right? Right. And then another thing about leaders is they're very destiny focused. They've got a goal in mind. And when you've got a clear destination, it helps to guide your steps right now. That's That's awesome. I love that. So, Kevin, one of the questions we love to ask is, did you ever have a moment or a season where you felt like God was calling you to step out and take a risk or a faith jump? Take us there and kind of talk us through what that looked like for you and and how he brought you through to the other side. Yeah, I got two stories on that. I got a successful one and I got the one that I'm in the middle of right now. Okay, great. My first one is that when I realized how he had gifted me in college, that I knew that I was supposed to be in full-time ministry, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. And my mom recalled she recalls this story to me often. We were sitting in a hotel room in Corbin, Kentucky, which is about 15 minutes from, from where I went to school. So we're sitting in this in this hotel in Corbin, and all of my family's telling me, you got a degree in accounting, go and work a regular job, and then work with kids on the weekend. And I remember walking into the, I walked into the bathroom, I called my mom aside, I said, mom, do you believe in me? Do you believe in this, what I'm supposed to do, this call? She said, yes. I'm like, well, that's done. So she says, I went back out and I told him, Jesus didn't just die for me on the weekends. I'm going to do full-time ministry. And I kind of went against everything my family was advising me to do. And that's kind of why I'm on this call right now. It's because I made that decision and it was a call that was deep in my heart. I was certain of it and I walked out in it. And there's there was a degree of success there. Second time was when I began to see this Elevate program and I saw the influence that they were having in the Denver public school system. And at the time, uh, Denver public schools in the inner city was having about a 55% graduation rate and they were getting 95%. And when I began to to see where God had given me favor. Where had I had success and it almost seemed like I didn't have to work for it? It was in this area of education. And so I I was like, man, they figured out something in Colorado. Now they're calling it Elevate and they're replicating it around the country. I've got to do this because it is literally the culmination of all of my life's work in school assemblies and public schools. I've, I've got to step out into this thing. But those are two stories of me stepping out. That's amazing. And so I guess, you know, that's kind of leads us to the next part. I mean, you're clearly, God's called you to step into this thing, a big thing with a big vision and an awesome opportunity. So kind of give the listeners more of an understanding of what Elevate is, kind of what you're doing day in, day out there in New York. Yeah. So Elevate, the mission is building long-term life-changing relationships with urban youth. The vision, what I see in the future, is raising up the next generation of urban leaders. And so I took my kids to the courthouse in the Bronx at the beginning of school, and I said, I want you to sit on these steps, and I want to talk to you because some of you, you could work in that building right there. You could be making the laws. You could be the lawyers. Uh, And I want to challenge them that you can be the people running this city. And I think what we do is I think we offer a relational solution to the educational problem. That's kind of the the why. We've got problems in education. In in New York City public schools, we've got 1.1 million kids in public school system and 858,620 of them live in poverty. So when you got 829,000 kids living in poverty, you got a big problem. Is when kids in poverty who are on welfare, when they drop out, they cost society up to $2 million. And so if you can get a kid to graduate from high school, you just save 
our country $2 million. And so they found out a way to do this. And I believe God gave this this whole strategy to a guy named Kent Hutchison. Kent Hutchison used to work for Campus Crusade, and he was friends with Bill Bright, who founded it. And he built the Great Commission Training Centers in the Philippines. And when he came back after that stint over there, he realized he had his own third world in inner city Denver. So he tried to get kids jobs, and the kids had no life skills. So they would show up late. They didn't know how to dress. They'd cuss each other out. They'd cuss the bosses out. They would throw salt and pepper shakers at each other. Crazy. So like, we got to reach them earlier. So why don't we partner with public schools? Let's teach them 13 character qualities and life skills, all the things we need for success, leadership, communication, positive work ethic, career-mindedness, you know, caring, respect, courage, all that stuff. And Put it in a curriculum so that the school can actually offer it as an elective. So we teach that every day in the school system. Then they, we teach those high school kids how to go and teach elementary school students because you learn something at a greater degree when you teach it. That's right. so good. That's yeah. in school. And there's four components. It's in school, after school, adventure, post-secondary. So then we go into boardrooms in Times Square and we talk about the business version of what they learned in the classroom. Or we go to a Yankees game and we talk about how do we apply what we learned in the classroom in life. Or we go into a diner and we just talk about how do you apply we learn in the classroom with your family or your little, your little brother. And then the adventure component, it started in Denver. So they took inner city kids to Vail, taught them to snowboard. And the concept is this. It's out of the hood into the woods, right? So <laughs> you go into, you put kids in a situation where you know they'll fail. And now they've got to mm. apply what they've learned in the classroom. So good. And the genius is this. The same teacher who is teaching you every day that you see every day. Now that's a way to build trust with kids who've had their trust broken. The same teacher you see every day is hanging out with you at a ball game or in a boardroom. They're being vulnerable, falling down a mountain or outside of a whitewater raft, right, with you. And now they've earned the right to say, why are you failing that class? And the kid at that point is not supposed to cuss you out. Sometimes they still cuss you out, right? (laughs) (laughs) But when they don't cuss you out and they blame their teachers because I'm embedded in the school system, I have a relationship with the teachers. Now we get a real plan for those kids and get them on track to graduate, which is what their parents should be doing. But the kids we work with, most of their parents never graduated from high school and went to college. So that's why we get a 98% graduation rate over the last seven years as opposed to about a 58% graduation rate in our district. Wow, that is That's unbelievable, amazing. man. What a what a movement. What yeah, a, what I love a what you're doing. So good. Yeah, so, you know, there's going to be people out here, obviously, who are listening to this. And what are some ways that folks can get involved? I mean, where do they find out? Uh, what's the biggest need? And, you know, how can we help you and Elevate and what you guys are doing? Sure. Well, our website is www.elevatenewyork.org. You know, our Instagram and Twitter, it's, it's all Elevate NY. Uh, we don't have Snapchat because I'm in my 50s. Um, <laughs> 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 Sorry. Sorry. Oh, Sorry about that. I love it. <laughs> um, you know, we need we need a few things right now. As we build this infrastructure, you know, one youth worker like myself can effectively work with about a hundred students. You know, we've got we got eight hundred and fifty nine thousand kids in living in poverty. And twenty five, thirty years from now, when we're having uh, another podcast or just sipping iced tea somewhere, you know, I would love to see hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids whose lives are being radically transformed across this city and in the biggest school system in our country who are graduating on time, they've broken the cycle of poverty that's been handed down to them by their parents because of this program. That's how you can help. Man, 
No, that is great. So what I love is in our audience, there's going to be people listening who are business owners sure. who may think, okay, how, how can I help? And maybe they are in the New York area and that's great, but maybe they, they live in Texas, but I think there's value there. But then the other way is just, you know, for people to say, hey, I, I don't live in the New York area. What can I do? And obviously funding, you know, yeah. like you said, if they can help give, yeah. can help hire a teacher or two or hopefully yeah. three or four and really move this thing down the track. And so I, I know that we've got people listening right now who are going to go and make that impact. We will do that ourselves personally yeah. because we believe in, in what you're doing, man. And so just, good. We love you and we're praying for you. And we're just so thankful for what you've done in our lives and what you're doing in the lives of all these students, man. Just keep up. Don't give up. Keep going. And man, we can't wait to celebrate on the other side of this season when you go, wow, look, look what God did. Absolutely. All right. Before we close this thing out, we got a couple of questions we want to ask you. Yeah. Okay. So we like to ask everyone at the end of an episode, what's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Obviously the Bible. The Bible. Right. Everybody yeah. says that. Yeah, of course. Of course. The book's written by men, The Gift of Honor and the Blessing, slash the Blessing. I don't know. It's it's combined now, but it's by okay. uh, John Trent and Gary Smalley. That one really helped me understand who I was. Oh, yes. Who I was in Christ. Yes. But you got to get good to great. Jim Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's good. And then so, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? by D. James Kennedy is just off the charts. And then the last That's one, so good. I know this is four books, but Paul said, he said <laughs> one thing I do, and then he said three things. So America's God and Country, you got to get that one and use it. Just keep it as a reference book because there's so much about our country that we don't know. So you got to get that. America's God and Country, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born, Good to Great. That's my three books that are supposed to be one book. Okay. Right. We'll, we'll put those in the show notes for sure. We will. All right. What's the habits change your life? You know what? I started automating my mornings. When I wake up, I just go to the same place all the time. And I started doing this Bible reading program that it's like the one that clicked for me. And it's from uh, Robert Ferguson, who is Hillsong pastor out, out of uh, Sydney, Australia. And so that reading program has just brought the scripture to life. If I'm not in my office and sitting down and doing it, it's like I, my day hasn't started right, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole concept of automation is, is just, I was doing it before I understood how to articulate it. But it's like, because I know that I'm going to do these few things in the morning, I don't even have to really use my brain power until I get to school and start problem solving. That's awesome. Um, That's great. All right. And what advice would you give the younger you? The younger me, I would say life is, it's a marathon. It's a journey. It's a process. Be slower to judge people. Be slower to think that you know everything in your 20s. Young (laughs) Kevin. Um, Because the older you get, you'll find out the more you don't know. And the more humble you need to be and you need to wait. And there's always a context to the content. You might just be getting content from this person or this situation. There is a context behind it. You don't take time to learn that. You're going to misjudge. You're going to treat some people the wrong way. Man, so dude. good. I love that. <laughs> well, Kevin, <laughs> we could just keep going all day, dude. But we yeah. love you so much. Can't thank you enough. We'll link to everything you said in the yeah. show notes, the books, the website or whatever. But everybody, make sure you go check out elevatenewyork.org. Let's give, let's make an impact there Absolutely. and show Kevin and just show them support and their crew what they're doing there. It's a massive deal. So, We love you, man. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, man, for being you and doing what you do and and living your one life well. It's, It's pretty amazing. Thank you all. Thank you all for having me. What a great conversation. I love Kevin. Oh, man. Kevin is the man. And he's a hero. And... 
quite honestly, you guys are our heroes. Thank you so much for each week coming back and listening to the podcast. Yes. It means so much to us. And for those of you who enjoyed this today, it would really mean the world of us if you head on over to iTunes and take a second to subscribe, rate, five-star review the podcast, and then obviously share it with someone in your life who needs to hear what Kevin shared today. Absolutely. And you can find all the info for today's episode over at our website, onelife.work slash podcast. We'll make sure to have all the books Kevin recommended, his worship albums, and all the info about Elevate New York. In the show notes. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, we love you so much. Thanks again for being here. We're going to close it out like we always do. Remember, you only have one life. Live Live it well. well.